You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. I'm Georgia Hart, Principal Consultant at Middleton Executive and your guest host. I'm passionate about all things product and tech and can't wait to explore some amazing topics with Australia's top product leaders. Joining me today is Craig Penfold, Chief Technology Officer and Head of Product. Craig loves to build products users love and has had the pleasure of working with companies like ABC, Yahoo and Seek. He's now combining his technical knowledge with product management to lead both products and technical functions at Rome to Rio. They're on a mission to help travellers plan, book and share their complete trip. Welcome to the Product Edge, Craig. Hi, Georgia. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm excited to get stuck in today. Um, With 25 years in the Australian technology space, Craig has plenty of experience and stories to share with us here today, but is going to talk to us about leading through crisis and how you can adapt not only your team's needs, but also the user's needs. But Craig, can you start by telling us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I I started my career as a software engineer, uh, but always in companies that had a great product and user focus. So I had a really great start at the ABC where I was working in the news and current affairs area. So working on everything from online news, TV and radio news, doing the news in different languages for Radio Australia, Uh, working on the news production system that the journalists would write all their articles through, all the way through to the auto cues that the newsreaders would read from. And I got to spend a lot of time uh, working with the users, as in with those news journalists, to really try and understand their needs, their problems, how they were going to work, and some really great experiences there as well. So working on election nights and budget nights hand-in-hand with the journalists as it went to air and really helping, helping deliver that, that news content to the ABC. Um, you know, it really taught me a lot about uh, delivery, about delivering quality and being on time with that because the news stops for no one. And uh, it's really important to, to make sure that we've got the right products to help support the users, which were the journalists at the time, uh, in being able to deliver that news. Then in my Yahoo seven days, I was there for eight years and in seven different roles in that time. So starting as a software engineer, um, learning how to be a leader throughout that time. And my last two years there were as uh, the CTO, um, working really in partnership with the product teams. So I never never tried to see uh, the product teams as our customer. Our customers were the users out there uh, using the products. And so uh, the way I've tried to run technology teams has always been to partner with the product leads and, and model that behavior down to the team so that we're in it together and we're really focusing on those user needs together rather than handing responsibility over the fence. Seek, uh, I, I moved to in 2014 um, and it was a really great opportunity to, uh, to really drive that forward and drive that partnership with product forward. We had uh, our org structure was set up 
deliberately to encourage that that collaboration and that partnership and both being accountable and really helped that really helped us grow the product and really focus on users we introduced a lot of new things uh, and and functions in there to to really try and help understand the users so we had uh, a ux research team where the engineers would be there as part of that research, um, being note takers or listening in to really understand and empathize with the users and help focus on the, the key problems we we're trying to solve. Then for the last two years, I've been at Rome to Rio where I, I really wanted to take the lessons I learned from Yahoo 7 and from Seek and seeing if I can scale them down to a much smaller team uh, and, and scale them down to a, to a startup environment. Uh, and, and really, you know, the key focus areas for me there uh, was building a product function. So there was really, uh, Rome to Rio was very much an engineering-led company. Uh, there were no product managers or UXs at the time. And so they were the first roles I hired in, um, as well as becoming the head of product and really starting to think deeply about how technology and product work together and, and how they really need to work together and focus on the user. And so we really shifted our thinking at Rome to Rio from output to outcome so rather than thinking what features are we delivering it's it's pivoting that thinking to what's the value we're trying to provide for our users and so that's what I've been doing the last two years. The travel sector has by far been one of the most heavily impacted industries during the pandemic what was your initial reaction to everything at the start of all of this in March last year? Yeah, so I started at Rome to Rio in July of 2019, and things were, were really going well for us there. We had our record ever month from a user and a revenue perspective in January of 2020, and then everything fell off a cliff in February of 2020. So it was very much uh, an interesting, uh, interesting experience. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, it's hard to plan for a global pandemic uh, when you're when you're creating forecasts or, or budgets or or product plans, and so uh, it, it did mean we had to really uh, move quickly and pivot quickly. So you know we we saw how quickly things changed from January through to February, uh, and you know we, being a global travel company, we have travelers all around the world. And so we could see the impacts of COVID-19 down to the region, region level as governments sort of first fought to, to A, understand what was happening and then to try and contain it and, and, and manage the crisis. Um, Italy is a really good example of that. So when COVID first hit Italy in, in February and March of 2020, uh, it was in a few of the northern regions, but not really the rest of the country. And so those regions were locked down very quickly um, whereas the rest of the country still remained open for for another few weeks. Um, and we were able to really see the impact of that on our data. So our users were really telling us the impact that COVID was having, having in, in real time uh, as, as we saw the pandemic rolling out. So we it helped us really uh, quickly realise that it was a big uh, global issue. Uh, and particularly as we saw country after country start locking down, restricting movement. And so we knew this was going to have a really big ongoing impact to our business. So while some companies in the travel industry acted quickly and reduced headcount early, uh, we as a leadership team made a commitment not to lose anyone as a result of Rome to Rio, uh, as a result of the pandemic. Uh, that was a tough, tough call to make, but... And it was tough to implement, but we had to pull together 
through this and take a bit of a hit uh, internally as well. We managed to do that, which I'm really, really proud of. Um, but some of the things we did were, uh, you know, there were two periods of time where we had uh, volunteer staff working four-day weeks in order to, to um, save cash but stay true to our commitment to, to not lose anyone due to the pandemic. So there were some really tough business decisions we had to make around that. You know, we, we stopped hiring, we reduced spend as many other companies did, but we also made sure that we were looking after our people while also thinking about the future direction for the product and we knew that was going to change as well. And is this one of the first crisis or crises that you've been through in your career? Were you prepared for something like this? Was there any anything in the past that's happened that helped you prepare for what we've all been through in the last couple of years? I don't think you can ever quite prepare for a global pandemic, but it's not the first crisis I've been through. Uh, I, I was uh, an engineer and an individual contributor during the dot-com bubble bursting in the early 2000s. So I did get to see a crisis from the other side of things, not necessarily from the leadership side of things. Uh, and that uh, that experience still is fresh in my mind and I can still see a lot of anti-patterns and a lot of lessons on what not to do there. So I was working for a small company at the time, which actually went bust as part of the, the when the dot-com bubble burst. And there was no, no real communication, no real transparency. The first we heard about things not going well were, were when some of the office perks started going away. So, uh, you know, even if it was small things like uh, the food and the, the free food and the free drinks started uh, not being uh, renewed. And so we knew then that something uh, was going on and something bad was happening, but we weren't being told what. Uh, and then one day uh, we were given the news that, that, uh, that the company had gone under and was being acquired by another larger company and for us all to gather in a, a conference room for a conversation. And at that point, some, some members of the team were singled out and sent to another room, and we knew that those people were the ones who were going to be made redundant and let go. And, and uh, so that happened to 75% of the team and 25% of us were kept. And there was no real warning or notice for that. It was just it was one of those things that just happened very quickly. I remember getting a phone call on Friday night after work saying, don't come into your office on Monday, come into the new office and you can get your stuff at some other point uh, in the next few weeks. And that was that. And, and we were suddenly thrust into a new company that we didn't really know, uh, didn't know their culture or their way of working. They didn't really know what they wanted to do with us, just that they needed us, um, but didn't really know why. And so there was not a great level of communication or transition or, or level of empathy even on, on what we were going through. Uh, you know, it was a company we loved. It had a great culture and suddenly it was gone. And so that really helped, helped me understand how not to do things and, and how to respond uh, and be, uh, you know, as transparent as, and as concrete as possible. Transparency is always key, I think, and trying to be as transparent as you can. And sometimes you just don't know the answers. That's <laughs> but right. Empathy, I think, as well. It's just and having that understanding that I guess everyone's going through it together a little bit. Um, you mentioned earlier that it's hard, it's, you know, it's been very hard to plan and prepare because we don't know what's happening next. So where do you even begin to prioritize in order to kind of refocus or, you know, I guess, adapt the app to what's going on? 
So a lot of it was using our data and a lot of it was talking to our users as well. So we did know the landscape in travel was changing and the sort of questions our users were asking was changing as well. So generally when people come to Rome to Rio, they've been asking, how do I get from A to B anywhere in the world? That changed and it changed uh, relatively quickly. So they were then asking, how do I get from A to B safely? Or even what restrictions are in place? Can I even get from A to B? And so we knew that uh, our, our mission is to help, help travellers plan their complete trip. And so we knew that we needed to pivot to really uh, collect this information and be able to, to uh, present to our users to help answer those new questions they were asking. So we then set about answering this question by providing as much uh, useful information at a global scale as possible. You know, all the COVID restriction information around mask wearing, around social distancing, whether you're allowed in or out of the country, is based on a country by country and state by state level. And it's usually recorded on the relevant government websites. There wasn't really a great central source of aggregated data. So we ended up building that uh, and really collecting all that data to be able to show for our users. You know, it's, it's still, even today, is a constantly shifting data set. And so we have some higher priority locations, which we do update the content uh, weekly. Uh, some we look at daily, others uh, a, bit, a little bit less frequently, such as monthly, if they're not as in demand for our users. But it was really about trying to find those right solutions for our users to help them understand how they can actually travel in this new world. Um, and it's becoming even more important now that the world is starting to unlock. So the previous questions in 2020 were, uh, can I go there? And now it's more, when When can I go there? When is it going to start opening up so I can actually travel safely? What are the social distancing rules? Do I need to uh, isolate in a hotel for 14 days beforehand? And that actually tends to be different depending on which country you're coming from. And so trying to collect and aggregate all that data in a really smart way to show our users when they're searching for our content became a really important um, refocus area for us. Sounds like a big challenge, <laughs> collecting all that data from all those countries all around the world and everything being you know so different. There's not one answer that fits all. Absolutely. And so um, something that I know a lot of product managers do is, is challenge assumptions, but that must be so hard in a time like this when you're going through a crisis because what do you base the assumptions on? <laughs> There's so many. Um, what did you guys do to challenge any assumptions? Yeah, it's a really good point about the unknown. And there, there was... Uh, there was so much unknown at that time. We didn't know if it was going to continue, if it was going to get worse, how long countries were locked down for. Some would lock down, then open up early and then um, have to, you know, be forced to lock down again. So it was a constantly shifting thing. Uh, and so the key question to challenging assumptions is really being curious and asking questions and really questioning how we think travel is going to change. And so we do know that, uh, travel will change as we come out of COVID. So there is, there is the longer term um, play as well as the immediate term. So the immediate term was really around what are the immediate needs of our travellers right now? And that is that travel safe, the COVID safe content. Uh, but we do know that travel will change as we come out of COVID uh, longer term. So we know based on data that after, after crises, 
um, that have impacted travel in the past, such as SARS or MERS or 9-11, uh, the demand for travel does then spike and continue to grow. Uh, I don't know how you feel right now, but I'm really keen for a holiday again soon. I know a lot of people are really keen to get back and start travelling again. But we do think the nature of that travel might change. And that's what we question ourselves and ask ourselves and challenge ourselves on, on how that might actually change. So we think people, you know, they might start taking travel uh, less for granted than they used to. It used to be pretty easy just to take a quick trip and, and, and spend some time somewhere. But I think there's going to be more focus on bucket list items, on experiences, on family reunions, um, particularly at the start. I think business travel will certainly take a longer time to bounce back as well. So, uh, and and where people go is is likely to change. I think people will, you know, may look for for less populous areas to go to, where they may not have to interact with millions of people, not knowing the status of their vaccinations. Um, they may look for smaller accommodations or vacation rentals rather than large hotels, for example. So we really, you know, we really we're really curious and and question our assumptions based on what we know now and what are the potential that could be in the future. And it's really getting broad with that thinking rather than uh, thinking, well, what are the users doing now? It's really broad. What what are all the potentials they could be doing? And then starting to narrow that down to where we think we might be able to add value. And I'm guessing you use all of that data to narrow down and, and I guess, make a choice and <laughs> pick, pick exactly a direction right. to go and in. Exactly right. And a really great example of that is that we know international travel is going to take a bit longer to bounce back than domestic travel or travel throughout Europe. So we can focus on those areas first and look at uh, look at where our users get stuck, what they're trying to do at the time, the sort of questions they're asking for that domestic or that, that European travel, uh, and then expand back out later on to, to more of your, your international overseas travel. And um, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but, you know, when going through a crisis, it's the most important time for leaders to uphold that vital aspect of their role. And that's making a positive difference in people's lives and being that support. What have you done now and in the past to help your teams to go through a crisis like this? It's really important to lean into our values. So my own personal values, as well as our company values that we uh, that we talk about every week in our team meeting, um, it's really important to lean into those. So some of the key values we have are around transparency and authenticity, being user-focused, having a social conscience, thinking globally uh, and focusing on our team. And so we really lent into those values a lot. Uh, the transparency obviously being a really important one. But with COVID in particular, there were so much unknowns and so many, you could see a different news article every day that would say something completely different about the, the state of the world or the state of the crisis. And so we needed to be transparent, but with that level of concreteness, because you could easily go down the wrong path based on, on certain people and uh, or certain people, certain news articles. You know, we do know it got quite political in some areas uh, and, and became a bit more of a, a political agenda rather than uh, necessarily fact. So really focusing on what we know uh, as concretely as possible and sharing that information with the team. So we've uh, every week we've been talking through how we're going as a business, how we're seeing uh, the world 
uh, reacting to COVID, how we see the the nature of the the conversation changing now that countries are, are becoming uh, more heavily vaccinated. And so really talking through with the team our thoughts on that, even when they're bad uh, and, and even when they're tough messages to talk through, that transparency does then lead to that authenticity. So leaning into the values uh, is, is critical to be able to do this. Um, and spending time with the team together as well as individually to talk through their concerns. Having We talked about empathy before, having empathy for our users but also for our team and knowing that they're going through their own challenges, they're having a lot of doubts about, uh, about the future, they're having to homeschool their kids and, and deal with all those changes and really trying to, to work uh, both for the benefit of our product but also the benefit of our, our, our team members as well. Do you have any advice on having those hard conversations? How can people, I guess, approach them in the right way, be conscious of what they're saying and addressing it in a, you know, suitable manner? Yeah, and so it's really about, it's about being authentic. So don't dress it up when it's, when it is difficult. Uh, admit that it's difficult, admit that it's hard, admit that you don't necessarily have all the answers as well but then talk about what you do know. And that's the concreteness. And, you know, we were able to talk about, we do know that uh, travel does bounce back after crises. And so it's a question of getting through this period because we know it will be really important um, for people to be wanting to travel and wanting to use our, our product to understand how best to travel again once they're allowed to. So we were able to focus more on the future there and really think about, well, what, do, what are our users gonna need as we move forward um, through the pandemic, but not to sugarcoat that pandemic. I, I, I have seen leaders just talk things up uh, quite a lot and they lose a lot of authenticity and a lot of believability when all they talk about is the positive. So it's really getting that weighing it up, uh, weighing it up really well, um, but also talking through the the opportunities there. You know, with a, with a crisis comes opportunity. And, and we're definitely seeing that in the, in the new way users are going to be traveling. And so planning our, our, uh, our product to be able to do that. From a technical point of view, we're able to spend some of that time in the unknown area, replatforming and, and modernizing our tech stack so that we knew that when we would be able to, to uh, have more users on our site, which we do now, we're back up to, to some really great levels now. Uh, we can really experiment quickly to better understand what users are, are looking for. So it was a great period to be able to remove some of our tech debt, modernise our platform, get ready for experimentation and ready for that uptick in travel again. What did you have the product management team doing while you were going through that um, modernization? They were really focusing on that future state of travel and, and the, the new questions our users were going to be asking. Uh, around, you know, how do I get from A to B, but also what if I wanted to go from B to C or where should I stay once I get there? What should I be doing once I get there? How do I package up that complete trip? And so they were able to be uh, doing a lot of the product thinking there uh, as well as doing some user research to understand how travellers were feeling about, about things and about how they wanted to travel on their, their very next trip. So they were able to do a lot of that thinking up front. Yeah, awesome. One of the good things I think that always comes out of a crisis is the innovation and the change. And, you know, it just goes to show that we you know, can't be knocked back. We just overcome, keep persisting, keep pushing through. And, you know, 
we saw the same thing happen at Middleton Executive in recruitment. You know, come March, you know, recruitment was dead. <laughs> but we knew, the same as travel, it was going to bounce back. So it's talking about what you can do to prepare for when things start to get busy again, jobs are back on and planes are up in the air. <laughs> That's exactly right. And it may be different to what you originally expected, but mm-hmm. it's about being able to pivot, see those differences and really go after them. Yeah, 100%. I'm sure our listeners would love to know a little bit more about you, Craig. What's been one of your biggest and greatest achievements to date? Um, There's obviously a little bit of recency bias in this, but I think helping my kids get through homeschooling and and cope with with the current pandemic has probably been the biggest one I can see right now. You know, it's not something... I ever had to go through as a kid. Uh, I've got two teenage daughters and and just um, helping them try and thrive during this period. And, uh, you know, in, in I know people use unprecedented a lot, but we we don't really know what we're doing and really trying to trying to help them uh, cope with that and understand that and, and still remain motivated and connected to people uh, during that time, which are, you know, really formative years for them. Uh, I think yeah, I would count that as my greatest achievement at the moment, that we we're, we seem to be going okay with that. <laughs> and definitely an amazing one. I'm interested to see the kind of knock-on effect this is going to have on kids and teenagers. Um, my teenage years are one of my best, so I feel bad for those, you know, teens missing out on finishing school and <laughs> going out. Exactly, exactly right. Exactly and celebrating. Right. And what's one of the biggest obstacles that you've had to overcome? I'm sure maybe a similar answer. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure this is an obstacle or more um, a self-inflicted obstacle or more by choice. But my career, if you if you look back on it, it's been jumping from different thing to different thing every time. So whether it's a different industry, a different user base, different problems to solve, you know, I've always tended to throw myself in the deep end and and not necessarily have the skills when I went into that company, but really back myself to swim rather than sink. And uh, learning from my mistakes, I've definitely made a, made a few. And while tough going through them, uh, they've been some of my biggest areas of growth. So definitely leaning into those and learning from them um, has really helped me move forward. But those obstacles around trying the unknown and jumping into something completely different has really sort of helped round out my career and, and helped me um, become a, a a technical leader and a product leader who can think, you know, quite broadly around a number of different problem spaces. So I think, I think that has been a really big obstacle to to um, overcome. I love that, and I always say to myself, fear isn't something that is necessarily a bad thing. It's good. It's ch- it's making you learn something new. It's challenging. It's going to op- your help you overcome something. So I'm always excited. I'm get a bit nervous, <laughs> a bit fearful about something. <laughs> Um, Craig, it's been amazing talking with you today. Thank you for sharing your experiences with us. Um, how can the Product Edge listeners stay connected with you? Well, uh, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can you can look me up there. I do. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. Um, and obviously, have a look at Rome to Rio for for when you're planning to you know travel again. I'll definitely be looking that up. I know I want to reunite with my family as soon as I can. It's been four years and four years too long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lastly, what's your one piece of advice for product managers? Stay curious. Keep asking questions. Always ask questions of of your users, of the company, of yourself. 
being curious is how we we learn new new ideas, new concepts, uh, new problem spaces to focus on. So it's really around that curiosity. Just stay curious. Love it. Well, thank you so much again, Craig. Thanks, Georgia. It's been great to chat. Thank you for listening to The Product Edge, brought to you by Middleton Executive. You can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.